more about uh, uh, getting in touch with your inner self. I know it's something um, most of us spend most of our time thinking about, not. But it's important for us to know ourselves if we're going to be able to be effective in our marriage and be able to communicate and love our spouse the way God wants us to. Before we do anything else, I just want to ask if you'll pray with me. God, just, Lord, anything that you want to be heard, may it be heard and received. And if it's uh, not of you, may it just go in one ear and out the other. And God, help us to all grow more like Jesus in his likeness. Help our marriages to flourish or lift up uh, every person in this room and the relationships in their lives. And God, I give them over to you and help us to, to listen for you, for your voice, for your leading. Help us to uh, better understand ourselves. Give us the ability to do that, to be more self-aware so that we can uh, be more effective in our lives for you. And pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you do a quick Google search on getting to know yourself, which was the title of these uh, two chapters in the book, there's just a small number of hits. It's 341 million results. So pretty amazing. And um, so I found this one. It's John Maxwell. Maybe. Is it the right button? Mm. Okay, maybe you can do that for me. Um, can you go to the next slide for me? And he says this, to grow yourself, you must know yourself. And I really like that one. Now, how well do you know yourself? Um, now, I saw this other image about knowing yourself. And that was kind of weird. It's like you, you look at your, I don't think that's what we're talking about today, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, about is learning to understand the unique person that God made you to be. All of us are unique. Uh, we have unique personalities and physical attributes and fingerprints and hairlines, um, some of us. And um, because we're different, we experience life in different ways. Um, for instance, take a picture, uh, look at this picture of the Grand Canyon. So these two guys are at the Grand Canyon. And the guy on the left, since he's a little kid, has been wanting to go to the Grand Canyon. And he's thinking, this is amazing. Look at the color. Look at the beauty. Look at what God created, and he's just in awe. And the guy on the right's thinking, we drove all night to see a big hole in the ground? Seriously? What's going on? So whenever we experience things, we experience them differently, and uh, that affects us. So I have a, one question for you as we start this morning. How well do you know the unique person who lives inside your body? The, the Bible tells us that God knows us really, really well. Um, Psalm 134, 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So God thinks it's important to know you. And so he probably thinks it's important for you to know yourself as well. We're going to touch on five aspects of developing a better self-understanding. Looking at experiences, interpretations, emotions, desires, and behaviors. And it's important that we un understand that all of them work together. So they're not like we understand emotions, and then we can put that in a compartment. And then we understand our feelings, and we understand um, how experiences work, and we understand how to interpret. They all work and interact, and they can't be separated. And it's also interesting to know that they're all combining at any given time to reveal who you are in that moment. So let's just jump in. The first one is experiences. We experience life through five senses. 
We all know them. We're constantly seeing and hearing and touching and tasting and smelling things. And they're more powerful than you realize. Certain sounds or smells can trigger memories in your mind, both good and bad. I, I remember um, my childhood. And so anytime, if I'm anywhere and I smell homemade biscuits, like in the morning, I'm instantly transported to a time when my grandmother was baking and I remember the summers and being with her, and it's just very, very poignant and very real to me. If I touch a little baby's fingers, then I think about my own kids. You, you know, like, you know, isn't that weird when you see a baby, then like, you want to appreciate their baby, but you're actually thinking about your own life? And I think about me, and I think about when I was a, a young dad and standing in, in the, uh, the room about to go in. Uh, my wife's going to deliver the baby, and I was so nervous and so scared, and I wanted to be a good dad, and I, I wasn't ready for it. And then I'm instantly thinking about, oh, my gosh, my kids are all teenagers, and, and life's passed me by, and did I do it all right? And, you know, I can't even drive by a golf course without thinking about my dad. And every time I see one, like, there's a part that's sweet and happy, but there's also the sadness because he's gone. And so our senses are constantly flooding our lives, and um, they're making an impact on us. I encourage you this week, take a little time to just think about your senses. You know, what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you see at work. Um, take, maybe you haven't done that. I mean, life's going by fast. I don't, maybe yours isn't, but mine is. And I mean, I'm sure yours is, right? And, and so sometimes at the end of the day, you're like, how did how this day already end? I mean, I get in my car and I drive and I'm thinking, how did I, I just left my house and I'm literally 45 minutes away. How did, how did I lose that time? And, and I encourage you to take the time, let it sink in, sink in and let God use those senses to, to speak to you. All the things that we experience, uh, they lead to interpretation. That's the next uh, word. So everything that we take in, we interpret. We give it meaning. We give it good or bad meaning. And remember this, all of our interpretations, all of your interpretations are going to be based on either past experiences or your current condition or some vision that you have for the future. That's why two different people can experience the same thing and have very different interpretations. So check this slide out. So here's a lady. These two men see this lady, and she's smiling at him. And the first guy thinks, oh, she's into me. She's smiling at me, check it out. Her eyes, we made that contact, and I need to go over and ask her for her number. And the other guy is thinking, no, she's laughing at my friend because she thinks he's really odd. And the funny thing is, he doesn't even know. He's completely clueless. Now, the truth of the matter on the next side is, we don't know what she's thinking. Only she knows what she's thinking, right? So we interpret it, but we have no idea. And when your life, uh, wife may leave you a note in the kitchen saying, hey, hon, like a quick little post-it, hey, hon, um, running late, I'm going to be at church later than I thought tonight, I love you, but it's accompanied, like the note is sitting right by this picture here of a, a sink full we got the, of dirty dishes. So you got that note that says, hey, hon, love you, I'm going to be late at church tonight, and then your job is to what? You have to interpret that. You have to interpret what that means. So maybe you're subtly thinking, she's telling me to do the dishes. The note is actually a, 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 you know, some, a chore for me. Um, maybe you don't want to do the dishes. So when you interpreted that, it made you angry or frustrated. You're like, seriously, I had a long day. I don't want to do the, the stupid dishes. On the other hand, maybe you interpret it as this. Wow, man, my wife probably had a hectic day. She's probably 
fried. Who knows what happened? And, you know, you have empathy for her. And so then you choose to do the dishes. She may not have even admit it for that, but you still choose to do the dishes because you interpret it that way. Can you see how feelings and ultimately our behaviors, they affect our interpretation? So I, I mentioned earlier about the past influencing us. So if your wife had a track record of always keeping the kitchen completely spotless, right, and you never come home to dirty dishes, then you're probably a lot more apt to go, man, I'm going to jump in here and help her. You know, this, something must have happened. But if, if you live in a house where you never know if there's a clean dish, you know, you can't tell, you have to, you're scared to open the dishwasher because it might be some kind of science project going on there or whatever. If you, that's your situation, then you may feel something different. What about you, though? What about not just the past? What about your current situation? If you had an awesome day at work, you came in and you got a raise or a promotion or you got some nice email from your boss thanking you for your work, would that impact the note? What about if you were humiliated at work? What if you had some group meeting and your boss, you know, took that opportune time to make you feel like a, a heel in front of everybody? What if you had to fire somebody and, and you're in a bad state of mind? Is that going to affect how you interpret the note? And I would say yes. So it's just important for us to know how all that kind of interacts um, and it helps us to understand Man, we have to be paying attention to how we interpret what's going on in our lives. And the next element is emotions. So emotions are our feelings, and it's what guys always want to talk about. But before we want to talk any more about emotions, I just want you guys to check out this clip real quick. Maybe, maybe you can recognize some of these. Can you relate to any of those emotions? Do you? I, I love Pixar, so get a can, chance to stick a Pixar clip in there. Um, favorite Pixar movies. Because um, it talks about these emotions and, and how we feel and how they impact our lives. You know, um, the thing about emotions is it's arguably the most unique thing about you. Your emotions are probably one of the most unique things about you. Even when two people experience the same emotion, they typically don't experience it in the same exact way. For instance, how many of you guys are Patriots fans? Some of you? Yeah. 
I'm not. I'm not. But whenever, when you guys, when you guys were busy uh, losing that Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, I sickly found myself rooting for the Eagles. I'm a Cowboys fan. It was really weird. I'm in, I'm in therapy now. Uh, anyway, but when, when you guys were watching the, the Patriots lose, you know, one guy literally throwing the remote at the television or kicking it or whatever, right, ruin his week. And the other guys, you know, he's, he's bummed, but he's also thinking about the five championships you've had in the last, what, 12 to 15 years. So he's putting in perspective. So, again, our emotions are very unique because we're going to interpret things differently. Now, our emotions can be divided into two categories, positive and negative. So positive emotions are happy, excited, thrilled, content. You can come up with some other words. Um, negative emotions would include anger. You saw that. Fear, resentment, oppression. One thing to understand is that our feelings are always going to draw us to people or draw us away from people. That's why understanding your emotions is so important because your emotions literally, and think about every relationship you have, it's going to be drawing you toward your spouse or it's going to be pulling you away. So if you feel disrespected by your wife or not appreciated by her, you're going to be pulling away from her. But if you feel loved, if you feel respected, if you feel cared for, then you're going to be drawn to her. And your emotions play a great, great role in your relationship with your spouse. And one other thing to, to remember is that negative emotions aren't sinful. Sometimes we can think that as Christians. Have you ever felt that way? Like if you, if you, had a, you, know, you, you felt a certain way that all of a sudden you felt shame just for feeling it? But the negative emotion itself is not sinful. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And if you read the Bible, there was times that he was depressed. I mean, maybe use that word, but if you read it, he was super sad, distraught, depressed. He was angry. And, and he was perfect. So the feeling of the emotion wasn't the sin. It's when you act on it, if you act on it. So don't apologize for how you feel. Instead, you can use your emotions, your feelings, to how you're responding to your current situation. When you're in touch with them, then you, that's, that's an indicator. Kind of like this picture here. That's an indicator, right? So that little indicator light, my dad used to call them idiot lights. But it's an indicator that there's something wrong. I remember I was uh, in college, and my dad bought me, uh, my car was stolen. I got this replacement car, so it was a Ford Thunderbird. Pretty cool little car, and I'm driving it, and all of a sudden it started running really rough. So we took it in, and, and we took it into the body shop, and, and the guy said, yeah, we're going to fix it. We've got to put a timing chain on it, and that was expensive, but we did that, and it still was running rough. And then the oil light was coming on, and I'm not a mechanic at all. My dad, sort of, but me, nothing. And so I said, Dad, I'm back at college. I'm like, Dad, I'm telling you, my oil light keeps coming on, and it's running rough. There's something wrong. He's like, okay, we'll take it back to the shop. So we took it back in there, and the guy, and he said, it's just the light. I know it's running a little rough, timing, we'll adjust that, but it's, there's nothing wrong with it. you got plenty of oil. It's just the, the light itself is faulty. Again, he's a mechanic. I trust this man. So I'm like, okay. So I drove my car a little bit. I was right graduating from college, and so right after that, my wife was teaching school. I'll never forget this day. It was about 25 degrees, and I didn't even have a coat. I was going to surprise her and meet her at her school and go, like, go have some coffee or go eat dinner, you know, when school was out. And so I didn't have a cell phone. 
I get in my car, and I get on basically our version of 495, and I'm on the Beltway around Fort Worth, and I he- the light is on, and I hear this small explosion of like a bam, and then my car seized up completely. Like I couldn't turn anything, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I pull over. And my car's kind of steaming, and I'm right by the exit that I need. I'm about two miles from where, where I need to be. And about that time, another car, car comes behind me, and he pulls in. He's like, your car's on fire. He's, like, screaming at it. I'm like, what? So I pop the hood, and he gets a fire extinguisher, and he's putting this fire out under my hood. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to call anyone. I didn't even have my wallet with me. I just, on a whim, jumped in my car, have no money. I don't even have a quarter to call anyone. So I walk down to like a Bob Evans little restaurant. And I go in there, and I'm freezing, and this, this older gentleman said, what seems to be the problem? Real nice. And he's like, ah, I bet it's not that bad. Let me come, with, come up in my pickup. We'll go back and look at it. So he drives me back there. We get there, and uh, he, open, he opens the hood again. There was a hole about that big in the block of the engine. I had thrown a rod through the, and he said, because he, he totally thought it wasn't going to be bad. He looked at me, and he said, Son, let me buy you some hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and my car was ruined. I mean, it was destroyed. And I had that indicator light, and guess what? Didn't pay attention to it. So what are the indicator lights in your life? Right? What are the emotions that you're feeling, and what are they indicating? And, guys, I'll tell you, you're going to have them. You'll have, they might be fleeting, right? They may be quick. They may not, they may not stay on. But you're going to know there's some indicators going on in your relationships. And if you don't pay attention to them, then you're going to have a problem. You don't want to throw a rod in your marriage, right? I don't. And when you have those problems, it's not only going to be a problem for you, it's going to be a problem for the rest of your family. It's going to be a physical problem. It's going to be anxiety. It's going to be stress. It's going to be lack of sleep. It's going to be a lot of stuff. Relational damage. The thing, uh, the author in the book talks about emotions. He gives us four things to remember. He says that normally emotions appear spontaneously. If you get overwhelmed with sadness, it, it usually just comes on pretty quickly. If you get angry, if you have an issue with that, it probably doesn't, a lot of times it just kind of pops. It also, they come in groups. So you may, you may feel anxiety and frustration. Um, there's different levels of intensity, and we need to pay attention to that. And a lot of times, your emotions can be in conflict with one another. Here's a good example of that. So you come home to tell your wife what a great deal you just got on that new compound miter saw. It was originally 800 and it was on sale for only 349 right? And it's like, so, so there's part, a part of her is excited for you. You know, she's like, she's happy for you. But at the same time, she knows the credit card balance. And so she's stressed, right? So at the same time she's happy, she's also kind of freaking out about the money. And that's why when they say they're going to be in conflict with one another. Or what about this one? You got a teenage son, and he comes home two hours late for curfew. Okay, part of you is happy that he's safe. There's another part of you that thinks he is not safe anymore. <laughs> he needs to learn a few things, right? So they're in conflict with each other. So we're also, uh, we want to be a certain way, or we want to act a certain way, we want to look a certain way, or we really want other people to be a certain way, maybe even more than we want something for ourselves. Take just a second and think about some of the desires you have in your life. 
It could, honestly, it could be that this talk is over. Um, it could be that you want the day off. It could be that you want better communication with your wife. What are you desiring right now? Just think about it. Ten seconds. Think about something that you're desiring. Did anything pop in your mind? You may not have thought about it, but if you start thinking, it probably put a big list together shortly. One thing to remember, though, is all desires are not created equally. Say that again. All desires are not equal. They do not have the same value. Actually, some desires are very destructive. They're very evil. Now, we can't, we cannot, we're not God. We can't keep evil desires from getting into our mind. Okay, it's going to happen. It's a fallen world, and we are sinful creatures. They're going to enter our mind. But we can choose whether or not to feed them. Martin Luther said, we cannot keep birds from flying over our heads. But we don't have to let them build nests in our hair. I was told once, it's like, even when you become a Christian... You still got the sin nature that you were born with, but you're also a new creation. So if you look in your backyard, there's like two dogs back there, you know, and it's like, okay, you've got the, the, the dog that's the new dog, the holy dog, the righteous one, and then you've got the other one, and you have to decide who are you feeding. If you want to know what's going to be growing in your life, it's what you feed. So you can choose whether or not to feed those desires and to act on them. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul tells us, uh, to be taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So what does that mean? It means we can take our desires to God. It means when, if you take some time in your life to reflect, then you can talk to God, commit all your desires to them, and then ask him to show you if they're good ones or if they're not. There's some that are obviously not, right? We all have some desires that we can very clearly know are not good. But there's other ones that you might think are good, but they aren't. They may not be good for you. They may not be good for your marriage. They may be something that you would like individually, but you can't just live your life like an individual. You have to look at your family and just pray about it and say, God, show me. Show me if my desires are evil or if they're not going to be any good for me. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. That is the good news, guys, is that unlike people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is here to help you. You don't have to do this on your own. Amen. Lastly, let's talk about behavior. So we take everything in, we interpret these things, we have our desires. At the end of the day, we choose to behave certain ways. When our behavior is positive, then we tend to feel pretty good about ourselves. And when our uh, behavior is poor, when it's sinful then what happens? We become ashamed. We feel guilty. Oftentimes, though, as men, uh, we don't even see our poor behavior. I'll give you a good example of this one. I have a student driver. I'm now more keenly aware of when I exceed the speed limit or do not come to a complete stop because I get told time and time again. And by the way, I have another, I have a daughter who's not even a student driver who's on me like white on rice about every, did you know that the wheels have to actually turn backwards a little bit before, I mean, it, it's so, it's sometimes it's not me that sees my behavior, it's somebody else that points it out. Sometimes your spouse is 
God uses your spouse to point out your behavior. Has that happened to anyone? Can I get a witness? That your spouse is going to be the first one to tell you that you ain't doing right. And, and that's okay. But I'm telling you guys, if you're asking God to show you, then you're going to see it too. You don't have to wait for your wife to feel like she's nagging you because you're going to be convicted about the same thing she's talking to you about in the first place. The other thing is this. When we understand our behavior better, it helps us understand why our spouse responds to us the way that she does. When we make the conscious decision to become self-aware, more self-aware, more in touch with our feelings, more in touch with our experiences, our interpretations, our senses, then we do more than just understand our own behavior. This is important. We actually end up behaving better. Who wants to behave better? I do. Who would want Jesus to come back while you're in the middle of behaving not great? Not me. I don't want that. We don't know when he's coming. It could be right this second. We don't know. We want to behave better. You and I, last slide, can choose to behave righteously. We can choose to not let our emotions get the better of us. We can ask God for wisdom, for understanding if our feelings that we're feeling should be acted on or not. After thoughtful consideration and prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to help us, reading God's word to help strengthen our lives, to help us interpret and guide our thoughts and behaviors. When we face marital challenges, instead of just throwing in the towel because, you know what, we just don't feel like we did before. The world tells us to go off our feelings. That doesn't feel right. I just don't love that person anymore. You know what? That's just not doing it for me. I deserve better than that. I deserve to be happy. That's what the world wants to tell us, but the truth is God wants us to think more about our thoughts, not our feelings. Feelings are important, but it's our decisions, the things that we have committed to, and, and that's a big difference. So, when, instead of just going off our feelings, if you're in a spot maybe in your, in your marriage right now where it's a real struggle, and maybe you've even considered just saying it's not worth it. If you just go off your feelings, that might be the road you, you end up on. But if you, if you were to pause, you may say, you know what? I'm reading the Bible, and it says that God hates divorce. He hates it. He used that word. He doesn't want that for me. I also know this, feelings run the gamut. Mine do. I'm up and down all, just hang out with me for a day. I'm up and down. I mean, I'm not always exactly the same. My, I can't trust my feelings, but I can trust that God put my wife and, and me together and, and that he's in it. He's in it with us. We're not on our own. And I made a decision and I made a, a covenant relationship, partnership for better and for worse. And then I can begin to pray to God and say, God, I want romantic feelings of love for my wife again. I want that. Would you help me, God, to have that? Instead of trying to find it somewhere else, instead of looking for it somewhere else, God, give me that. And then I believe that God can do that. He can do that. He's in the business of taking stuff that's broken and, and in a way that we can't even wrap our minds around making it better. 
We can talk to others about who've gone, other people who've gone through similar situations too. A lot of times in life we feel like we're unique. And I was, think, I was just looking at Joe, I was thinking about, you know, stuff that as a church, as a leadership, we face challenges as a church, right? But the good thing is, there's a lot of churches. There's a lot of people who've gone through stuff before us. We don't have to create everything from scratch, right? That God uses other people to help us along the way. And even if you find other men who have been in that situation, if you, you're probably not as unique as you think. And there's probably somebody who God can use to give you some encouragement, to give you some tips, to say, hey, I've been there, man. Let me tell you about a season in my life. And you'd be like, really? I thought you were great. Like, man, it is. It's a work in progress. Anyway, if we get in better touch with the five factors of self-awareness, then I believe we're going to be more likely to make responsible decisions even when we face adversity. And that's my hope for you. You've got the discussion uh, there as well. But before you do that, let's just pray. God, I pray, Lord, for anybody whose marriage is um, in, a, in a tough spot. It's about two conversations away from being there, if we're honest. So God, help us to value our marriages, value those relationships the way you do. Lord, I pray that you would heal um, broken relationships, that it would be a testimony of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy. We don't deserve you, and we, we get forgiven. So help us to be the same. Help us to understand ourselves better so that we can be better. Amen.